is proudly sponsored by the Zen of Chemistry. The Zen of Chemistry is an online resource which makes learning chemistry simple. Lectures get straight to the point and topics are mostly taught in 15 minutes or less and the content makes chemistry real and applicable to everyday life. Their online course was designed with the Australian VC curriculum in mind but is applicable to almost any basic chemistry course from around the world. To find out more, go to www.zenofchemistry.com. That again, www.zenofchemistry.com. The Zen of Chemistry, making learning simple. Greetings, this is Amelia McCutcheon. I am the hippie scientist and welcome to podcast number two. And I'm really excited to share this podcast with you because this will detail my health transformation, which if you know me personally or follow me on social media, um, my favorite is Instagram, you may have heard tidbits of, you know, me saying, oh, well, since my health transformation, la, 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 or this happened to me and, you know, now I know this. Um, so... It's a real opportunity for me to share my story and uh, I'm hoping that by sharing my story, I can help someone else work through their health transformation. Um, And, you know, I could very well go back and say, well, my health transformation started when I was born. Or it started when I was four years old. It started when I turned into a teenager. Um, But what I really want to do is start talking about my health transformation from uh, the most recent turning point, I guess. Um, That's when I feel like I've started to wake up to what health really is. Um, I think in previous times before that, I've always had a a value on health, but I've not actually found the right things that work for me that um, were important for my journey. So let's let's get into it. Um, I want to start by painting a bit of a picture. Uh, because I do talk about what I call my corporate job um, and how much, you know, I sometimes I say I hate it, hated it. There were parts of it I actually really loved. Um, but at the time, I was just so unwell and the job just didn't fit me or my personality or where I was in life at that time that 
Um, it just, I, I look back now and think, yeah, no wonder I was sick. Um, so let's, I just want to paint a bit of a picture of where I was at. So take yourself back to 2011. Um, and I'm taking myself back there. 2011, I was working this job. So when I say it was a corporate job, job, it wasn't like sitting in an office at a computer all day. I was a industrial chemist. So I, um, I had three shift workers working under me who were doing the testing side of things um, for a multinational company. And I was, I wouldn't say in charge of them, but um, I oversaw any problems that they had. So anything that went right was all good, but anything that went wrong, I had to investigate and make sure that our methodology was working right, that our instruments were working right. There was a couple of instruments that I had to calibrate. There were new methods I had to implement. There were new products I had to implement. And I also, on the, you know, as part of that role, I was bringing in new products. So we had head office uh, in another country and they would say, here, we, we want you to sell this. And, and so we had to take their methodology and then kind of change it so that it fitted our plant and made sure that it would be accommodated by, you know, things that, that the infrastructure in our plant could actually do. So... You know, my job was wide and varied, and I also in that time did a period of a data migration as well. So, you know, I did lots of different things, and uh, I was working, you know, it was a Monday to Friday job, nine to five, uh, with the possibility of being called on the weekend if something went wrong, if we were if we were running the plant over the weekend or we ran through the night as well. So if there were things happening during the night, like, you know, I could get called up and they say, oh, first thing in the morning, oh, can you come in at 7am to do this or help us with this or we've got this problem, can you do this today? Which, you know, was it, it, was, a gr- it was a great job. Um I was almost being preened to uh, take over the role of my supervisor who, um, you know, he was, he was a wonderful man. Uh, he was very kind to me. He understood that, um, you know, I didn't want to be there 24-7. Uh, there were people around me who had big career aspirations and they put in 12, 14, 16 hour days, uh, five days a week and even put in weekends because that, that was the industry they wanted to be in. That's where they were going and they loved it. And for me, it it was just a job, you know, it was, it was a way to make some money to do the things outside of work that I really wanted to do. And it just so happened that it was in an area, science, chemistry, that, I, re- I still love and I do love, but uh, it was, um, you know, it just wasn't my passion. Um, so, you know, there was always overhanging me a little bit of uh, pressure for me to uh, be on call. Um, I think my, my own self-imposed, oh, I should be staying back like everyone else and working late and 
but I was always really, no, look, I'm, I'm being paid to be here between this hour and this hour and, and to come in when they need me. But otherwise, you know, the job should be able to be done in those eight hours a day. So I was really strict on that and, and I had things outside of my work that um, were my passions and that I, I put in priority so that I could do those things. Um, yeah, anyway, so the job, I, I guess in the years and years and years that led up to me being in that job, um, I'd worked in research, I had worked at another multinational company um, doing uh, more the testing side of things, um, which I, I quite liked because um, even though I was doing the same thing every day, um, you know, I've, I got to the end of the day and I'm like, well, I accomplished what I came here to accomplish. Um, and in, the, in those years leading up in the research and the other company that I worked for, um, there was a slow and steady build for me of uh, a fear of chemicals. And I don't, I don't want to go super deep into it, but um, I think in my early career, I, it was not stressed to me and it, I was not educated very well on the hazards of a lot of the, the chemicals that I was using. And I take a lot of that responsibility on myself that I didn't go out of my way to learn what they were. Um, but I also wasn't overly supervised, uh, by my, my, uh, supervisors and that kind of thing. So there were like, I have, have a handful of five to 10 different, uh, things that happened where I had used a different, a particular chemical and then, you know, days or weeks or hours later found out that this particular chemical was actually very, very, very toxic. And, um, um, it was one of those things that, you know, if it happen happens once, you kind of go, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay myself. So it, it'll be fine. But the slow build over, it would have been nearly 10 years of these incidents happening. And a lot of it was my own responsibility and I fully like take that on that it was my responsibility to go and look at those things and I didn't but where I ended up the the moral of the story is I I I ended up in my corporate job um working with as I said quite uh toxic chemicals and so some of them were okay but some of them were, were pretty nasty and one of them um uh, was called acrylonitrile, which has uh, the nitrile part of it is uh, is a cyanide, uh, more, we call it a cyanide moiety. So, um, you know, cyanide's not very nice. And so this acrylonitrile uh, was uh, uh, cancer-causing. It uh, can cause birth defects, that kind of thing. And um, I was in a phase of my life, I was in my mid to late the twenties and in the back of my mind sort of thinking, well, you know, I am of childbearing age. I want to start a family in the next five to 10 years and don't want to be in a position where I, my body is so toxic that, 
you know, either I can't conceive or I can't hold a baby or I have a baby that um, is unwell because of my uh, career choice and and the chemicals that I use in that career. So that's kind of where my head was at. I'd had this slow burn, this slow build of a fear of chemicals and it actually ended in me um, – uh, getting to the point where I just went, you know what, I, I can't deal with that chemical and that chemical. I just don't want to touch them. And um, I worked through it with my, my boss and his boss as well. And at the end of the day, I, I got to the point where I just went, you know what, this job is just is not for me because I know this is a key part of the job and I'm not there. I understand that, you know, I'm not going to die if I use these chemicals, uh, but I was getting to the point where I was having a lot of anxiety about using them. I was having to handle them in large quantities, so I didn't mind handling 100 mils or 200 mils in a fume hood with double gloves and all that sort of thing, but... Um, when I had to collect and pour litres of stuff, and I'm talking like 10 to 15 to 20 litres at a time, um, I and, and I was in a big fume hood, um, so not just a, a normal fume hood that you might see in a normal lab. I was, I was using one that was like, I don't know, 1.5 metres, so as tall as me, and then uh, about three or four metres long, and I just... I just got to the point where I just went, you know what, this job is just not for me. So, you know, there were, I put a lot of pressure on myself for that, for that job because I, you know, I could see all of the other aspects of the job I was really good at. I really enjoyed it. I got along with my colleagues, but there was this, this anxiety around using the chemicals I was using as well as um, a lot of physical stuff going on with me. So I, at the time I'd been trying to work out, I'd been having a lot of digestive issues. Um, I'd tried cutting out gluten and I just, you know, I, I just, I was stabbing in the dark essentially. So when it came to the crunch and I, I resigned from that job, I actually stayed for another few months uh, and trained my, the, the, my replacement. And she, uh, she's still there today. So I'm really glad that, that has worked out for them. Um, and it was a really nice way for me to exit the company by being able to hand over what I knew and be able to train her uh, in a way that meant that, you know, it wasn't a large gap when I left. And so, um, yeah, so so when you start to think about the physical stuff and the psychological, emotional stuff that was happening as well, you know, I look back and think, you know what, no wonder I was sick. Um, and I think when you have, and, and there was also like a slow build of dis-ease in my body. So when you have that really slow build of disease in your body or disease in your body, you don't notice it because you don't all of a sudden fall down sick like you do with the flu and go, oh, I feel terrible. Like we're talking about a build of 
years or decades of an accumulation of habits and things that just don't work for your body. And uh, just over time, very, very slowly, you know, you just feel less and less and less and less and less well. And uh, as I mentioned in my first podcast, I talked about the fact that I asked my best friend uh, a few weeks ago, uh, did I seem unwell in those in that time? And she kind of just went, no. Nah. <laughs> and it's only now that I realize how good I was at like pretending that everything was okay and um, not showing how anxious I actually was when I, you know, I was 24-7, like just on red hot alert. Um, I wouldn't say scared or petrified or anxious, but just like this underlying, like, like things are just not good for me. And um, that, you know, the only people that really saw, well, the only person that really saw how sick I was, was my then boyfriend, now husband. And uh, I think my mum saw tidbits of it, but, um, you know, the majority of it, and it really manifested in digestive issues. It manifested in really, really, really intense fatigue. Um, and a few other bits and pieces, which I'll get to later in the podcast and kind of talk about like reflecting back over my life, how, you know, things I've always had disappeared. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but, um, you know, at the time, when I say fatigue, I'm talking about going through a work day, nine to five, coming home and being so exhausted that I had to uh, have a nap before I went and cooked dinner. And then after I had dinner, I'd go straight back to bed and I'd sleep for 12 hours and get up and do it all the same again the next day. You know, and if you do that five days a week for two years, um, and layer on top of that, that, you know, I was a mid 20 something person. So, you know, um, there was a lot of social stuff going on. Um, we, we did go out and cause I was in a band, it was, I was in several bands at the time. So I'd go out and play gigs and be home at two or three o'clock in the morning, having had a few drinks and, you know, it just, it, it all really just compounded and the best decision that I made at that time was to go you know what I'm quitting my job and I had no plan of what I was going to do other than start a business and get well that, that was my only thought so so that then was the beginning of my business which then became the Zen of Chemistry so um, me as a, a chemistry educator so that was I left that job the start of December 2011 and I had my first ever appointment with my now naturopath uh, in January of 2012, so 2012. And I went to her and... I'd, I'd met her previously. My, my mum had seen her, but I'd met her previously for another reason. And I basically went to her and just said, well, all, all this is going on for me. I've tried this. I've tried that. Help. 
And what was really startling to me was that I had actually been trying to do the right thing. Um, so in my corporate job, uh, because I was on good money, I was able to pay for a CrossFit membership at a really, really well-respected CrossFit box. Um, I also did martial arts, so which I've been doing for nearly 20 years. It'll be 20 years this, this year. So I was doing that as well. And I was uh, doing my best to do the right things. I was having protein shakes and um, cutting back on my added sugar and I was eating eggs for breakfast and I was eating sourdough bread because that was the thing, like don't don't eat the crappy supermarket stuff, buy proper sourdough bread and and I was just so sick. And I went to her basically saying, you know what, I'm trying to do all the right things. I eat lots of salads. I eat lots of eggs and protein shakes and I have my protein shakes after I go to the gym and all that sort of stuff. You know, I was, I was doing what I thought was the right thing. And I think this really emphasized, this first meeting with her really emphasizes to me now how important it is to work with a practitioner. So so I'm going to talk about some things in this podcast that I've done that worked for me. But as a listener, I want you to know that you should not follow my path except to say that go find a practitioner who can help you. Um, sometimes it takes a few tries to find the right practitioner uh, and that's okay um, if you're local to me, I can definitely refer you on to my naturopath and my other practitioners that I use. But um, I was still, you know, as educated as I was in science, not necessarily nutrition and, and body systems and stuff, but, you know, I could go and read a scientific paper and go, yeah, yeah, cool, let's do this. Um, and I still was stabbing in the dark with no idea what I was doing. And it was only over the course of that of that next year that I really went, oh, yeah, okay, I really didn't know what I was doing. So let's let's start this this journey with my naturopath. Um, so shout out to Beck Winkler uh, at she's now at uh, Janjak Chiropractic, but at the time she was she's moved a few times now, so. I've just followed her wherever I've, wherever she's gone, I've followed because uh, I think she is the bee's knees of naturopaths. Um, so shout out to you, Beck, if you're listening. Um, so it was really interesting. I left her, her our first appointment a little kind of like, ah, well, we're not doing much, but she basically said to me, I want you to write down everything you eat for two weeks. And I went, oh, but I know what I eat. And she goes, no, 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 go write down every single little thing that goes in your mouth and we'll have a look at it in two weeks. And I went, okay. And she goes, oh, by the way, here's some um, some tablets. They're herbal antiparasitics. So if you've got any parasites or whatever, you know, um, of, of any description, you know, it'll start to get rid of those. So if you feel a bit crap, like 
you know why. Um, but I kind of, I walked away and went, oh God, okay. All right. Well, and I kid you not, two hours after taking two of those antiparasitic herbal tablets, I felt like I was on my path. I felt like, yes, this is it. My body had begun to feel better and it was just heaven sent because I knew that we were on the right path. So two weeks went by, I went back to see her and she looked at my list and she goes, yeah, I can see that you are, you were eating the right things. And I was at the time, you know, I'd have two eggs for breakfast with, and I'd grate in um, some onion, carrot and zucchini or some combination of three vegetables into my eggs. So kind of like an omelette, but kind of not. Um, you know, I was eating salads for lunch and dinner with some protein. I was, after training, I'd have uh, protein shakes. And she looked at it and went, yep, you know, most of it's pretty good. She, she wasn't keen on the Vegemite. <laughs> um, and she said to me, all right, well, this it tells me a little bit, but it doesn't tell me a lot. And so what we proceeded to do over the next, it was two to four weeks. I think it was only two weeks. She said, look, I want you to do a detox. And the way she describes her detoxes is a weed, seed and feed. So the weeding part of it is getting rid of anything that shouldn't be in your gut. So, um, so hence the antiparasitics, um, but we also, you know, we, we did a bit of a liver cleanse and that kind of thing. Um, and so it was really easy. I just took like a, a herbal drink of some description that had like slippery elm in it and that kind of thing. And um, it was whatever she gave me. I just went, sure, no worries. That sounds good. And took it and... At the same time, in my diet, I had to cut out caffeine, alcohol, refined sugar, meat, red meat, sorry, and dairy and gluten. And I'm pretty sure it was 14 or 6, I think it was 16 days actually, now I think about it. And I tell you what, that was the longest 16 days of my life. <laughs> and it was so eye-opening uh, for me, uh, all the things that I wanted to eat and couldn't eat. So for starters, I'd transitioned onto proper butter because that, that was the start of that. Oh no, cholesterol, dietary cholesterol doesn't cause um, blood cholesterol that this, that was the start of that movement. So I had, you know, I'd just transitioned onto real butter. And, um, when I had to transition off that and start using a non-dairy alternative, it was amazing how much my body craved that butter. And it was the same with the gluten as well. Like, like me and gluten, oh my God, like, I searched everywhere for some kind of gluten-free bread that tasted remotely like bread. And if you go back seven years ago, there weren't many. Um, but I searched and searched and searched and searched. And um, that, that to me is, you know, that, that crave 
for those things really indicates to me now, now that I know what I know, that those were the things that were not good for my system, that that was the things that, you know, potentially the bad bacteria in my gut were wanting so that they could breed and the actual good bacteria um, were just not not doing not doing their thing and probably dwindling in their numbers so I did that for 16 days it was long it was really long and hard and headachey and I've actually been revisiting this journey through my Facebook memories over the last couple of months and um yeah I it, I, it was hard um, I, I, you know, it's only now that I really realize how much, uh, I was really attached to my food and how much I was addicted to some things that I was eating. So we did that and I got to the end of the 16 days. Uh, so that we did the weed, the seed is putting in good bacteria and the feed is then feeding it with good stuff so that the good bacteria will grow. So we're obviously talking about probiotics um, and then foods that will feed those good probiotics. So we're talking about prebiotics, we're talking about enzymes, we're talking about um, vegetables and fruit and stuff. And so we got, we got through the detox. We did, we, we continued on with more, uh, probiotics, like high doses of probiotics. I'm talking and I'm not talking about your probiotics you get from the supermarket. I'm talking about proper practitioner only probiotics. So hence again, go see a practitioner if, if you're going to do this yourself. And uh, anyway, let's, let's journey through that. We, we, uh, you know, we kept on working on things. She said to me at the end of that 16 days, you know, let's leave dairy and gluten out and see what happens. Um, and, and we did, and, you know, we went by a few months and had a few more, uh, a few more appointments and it got to kind of May and I just said to her, you know what? I'm still not there. There's, there's still something miss, missing. We're not, we're not hitting the nail on the head. And she basically said to me, look, I want to do this test. Uh, it's not covered by Medicare. It costs $400, but I think it would really benefit you to have it. And it was uh, an IgG test, so immunoglobulin G test. And it's essentially a test to see how your body or how your blood reacts to different foods and um so I think it was a hundred foods that I tested against and uh so I went away and went yep yep cool uh I'm six months out of a job um I've been starting my own business which if anyone's done that you know how uh financially insecure it can be um right at the start so um I kind of went, oh, $400, like, I, I don't know where I'm going to get that from. Anyway, in July, I found 400 bucks and had the test. And uh, 
there's a scale. So they have uh, zero, one, two, and three. And I think for any of you science people, it's an ELISA test, I think. Um, so it's a zero, one, two, three. So zero is no reaction. And one is a mild reaction. Two is a moderate reaction. And three is like a high reaction. Well, I came back with four plus. So extreme, extreme, extreme reaction, like off the scale reaction, four eggs so not just the egg white but the egg yolk so both parts of the egg as well as dairy protein uh and those were the two main ones i also had a a one or a two i think for uh kidney beans which is not something that i consume a lot of but there you go but um it was the test to get to going oh your body doesn't like eggs or dairy so at this time I was still gluten-free and I was still dairy-free with the exception (laughs) of chocolate so uh and I kind of went you know Ah, chocolate's all right. We'll, 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 I'll cut out all milk, all cheese, all butter, but we'll still have chocolate. Um, again, coming back to that's where my body was at. That was what my body was craving. Um, that was my addiction that I really struggled with. So after having had this immuno, immunoglobulin G test, um, we I cut eggs and dairy and... This part of the road was quite long and tumultuous because um, as anyone who knows who cuts out foods that their body is either allergic to or is intolerant to, you'll know that you'll find things that you didn't even think had these things in it. So, um, you know, trying to get rid of dairy Dairy was probably the harder one uh, because, you know, you, there's things that you wouldn't even think you'd have milk in. I can't even think of any off the top of my head now because I'm so used to it. But um, And I, I know which brands I can get, so I don't even look at the other ones. Um, but even something like margarine, like most, most margarines still have dairy protein in them. So um, you can't just go and buy margarine. You have to actually look at the ingredients. And I spent, it would have been a good five to six months after I'd had that test, really getting my head around um, cutting out eggs and dairy. And, and I stayed off gluten. Um, I had no reaction to gluten or, or wheat products or rye, or any of those other gluten, gl- glutinous foods. But, um, yeah, so gluten, dairy, eggs were the ones I took out. And I, I just stopped eating kidney beans. They were really easy to take out of my diet because I didn't eat, eat them very often, except when I had, like, Mexican food. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a harder thing to cut those foods out than... I had ever anticipated um, and if you are listening to this and you're going through that process now I want you to know that yes this process is hard and I also want you to know 
that if you need help with this process, I can help you. So if you need help with the process of cutting out a particular food out of your diet, please contact me. I'd be more than happy to help you and give you support in that. Anyway, when, when I, so what, what I started to notice was when I ate eggs and dairy, that uh, was an accident. So I'd never actually, once I'd had that test, I went, right, well, no eggs, no dairy. But when I had, it, it had slipped my mind to look at the ingredients or I'd, you know, um, missed something in the ingredients list. And this was also before they brought in the new legislation that you had to highlight the allergens in, so they had to put the allergens in bold in the ingredients and all that sort of stuff. And there were no uh, warning things to say, this contains milk or this contained traces of milk, you know, that kind of thing. So this was before all that came in. And I found that whenever I consumed either eggs or dairy, and at the time it was gluten as well, um, I had really severe reactions. So I'd, I'd started to feel better. I was feeling good. And, and like compared to my, my malaise that I'd had prior to that, you know, I, I was getting all my energy back, but then I'd have an accident with some one food and I'd be down and out for a week. Um, and you know, I'd be in bed in agony and the way I describe it, um, I never actually got anything like diarrhea or constipation, but what I did get was kind of like, the way I describe it is like snakes in my belly. And, you know, now I understand that to be um, that my, my GI tract was actually spasming. So that's why it felt like that, because it was literally like in there, like, wiggling around so it was not it was not a very pleasant experience uh when I did have um some kind of egg or dairy or gluten accident um but what what I found also accompanied those GI problems with with those accidents was uh a heightening of my anxiety to the point that I actually started having, I didn't have many, but I had a couple of panic attacks. Um, so, and not many people know that either. Um, I, I, I mostly survived them on my own. Um, I think my husband saw me have one panic attack, uh, but I really just hid them away from the world and no one knew what I was going through. So uh, that's how I kind of, come to say yes I was I was quite unwell it wasn't just the digestive stuff which I was quite open about with friend with friends and family and stuff but uh, I really kept that that anxiety and the panic attacks hidden I really just didn't want want people to know that I was losing my shit so at the end of all that I came to a place of you know over the course of a year so from January 2012 to about January 2013 I really found 
a place where my body was getting well and I was not having like I, I was not having GI problems except for when I had accidents um, and it was a really freeing thing. Um, in 2012, I started my own business, so I'd started to live in alignment with some of my values, which always helps people. We had a lot of financial dramas because, you know, I'd just quit my job and left and made no financial plans, you know, but the universe caught us and we, we came out of it fine. So, um, from there, you know, I, I went and studied, uh, became a teacher. So, uh, you know, as part of Zen of Chemistry, I really wanted to, um, be, become a teacher. And so I went and did that. And in 2014, I got married um, to my beautiful husband um, and I was getting well. I was all of a sudden not needing 12 hours of sleep a night. I was only needing seven or eight like the rest of the normal population. And that, you know, that whole particularly the sleep, it crept up on me, you know, years and years and years ago, you know, as a teenager, you expect to sleep a lot. And, um, but that just never went away for me. My, I remember my uncle saying to me, oh yeah, no, as you get older, you just need less and less of my sleep. And he goes, you know, by the time you're, you're 20, like you're, you're back to eight or ten hours and then you can go back to six to eight hours then you can go to four to six hours and then you there's some days you just don't need sleep at all and I just went oh what um so I don't that was his journey and I I don't necessarily prescribe I, I don't prescribe to that now myself but at the time I was like yeah you know I still at 20 27 28 still need 12 hours sleep to feel human and otherwise I was still a train wreck so you know the the change was not dramatic the change of my health turning around was not like bang you know oh I woke up and I felt great it was a slow like the slow build to get sick it was a slow build to get better again uh, but um, what I also noticed, noticed happening was things that I'd had my entire life were disappearing. So I'd always had horrendous periods, like, um, just really painful, painful, painful periods. And all, all of a sudden, like, you know, there was nothing, there was no pain, there was no nothing. Um, so there's, there's a whole lot of wisdom in that as well. If you're having yucky periods, like, definitely go and investigate why that's happening because they're not supposed to be horrendously painful or horrendously heavy um they're just not supposed to be like that if if they are you there's probably some kind of underlying reason but anyway um the other thing that I'd always 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 suffered from throughout my whole life was urinary tract infect infections so uh, I can remember being a child uh, under 10 having urinary tract infections. And, of course, 
what do they prescribe for urinary tract infections? Well, they start you on the, uh, I was using citrovescent, which worked for a long time for me, uh, just to alkalize my system. Um, cranberry juice never worked for me, never, never, never. Um, but then, you know, when it starts to escalate and get worse and worse and worse and worse, what do they prescribe? What does the doctor prescribe for you? Antibiotics. And so I learned that, you know, even I remember being late teens, early twenties, at least every six months, at least every six months having a urinary tract infection and then um, having to go on antibiotics. So every six months I was on antibiotics just for this one ailment. And you can imagine now that we know all we know about uh, gut health and what antibiotics do to our gut health, you can imagine how much that wreaked havoc on my gut and how much that would have contributed to my slow but steady decline to being really, really, really unwell. So, you know, in my, in my health transformation, after a year or so, like, I didn't have urinary tract infections. Like, I just woke up one morning and just went, that hasn't happened in, like, forever. And at its worst, in my early 20s, um, you know, I would wake up almost every day worried that I was going to have a urinary tract infection worried, worried, worried. And, you know, I'd go away on conferences and be out of my usual routine and uh, have these horrible experiences of, of having urinary tract infections. And I actually had an arrangement with my doctor to be able to carry antibiotics with me so that wherever I was, I could treat myself and I didn't have to go to the doctors. That's how familiar I was with this, this ailment. Um, and since 2012, I've only had one urinary tract infection, which is phenomenal. So you can imagine even, even just the psychological toll of, of every day having to wake up and think about, oh, I could have one today. Oh, that doesn't quite feel right. Maybe I've got one. You can imagine the toll that took on me mentally to to deal with that every single day um I, I don't even give it a second thought anymore and you know the benefit was was that I was always really well hydrated because uh, you have to just keep keep the water going through your system um which these days like I've got to be really careful that I I do make sure I'm hydrated because I'm not in fear anymore that I'm going to get a urinary tract infection um, but yeah, that part of it has been life transforming. Um, but you can also imagine, and, and some of the, um, the symptoms that I did have, like I really, we never confirmed it, but I really think that I was, when I, when I was at my sickest, like I just was overrun by candida and that was probably a result of all of those antibiotics. So at the end there, um, I guess the last thing that kind of disappeared, all of the, you know, once I changed my health, um, I 
you know, got rid of my GI distress. I um, started having normal periods. I started um, uh, not having to worry about urinary tract infections anymore. And then the last thing that kind of disappeared was that anxiety the panic attacks disappeared completely. I've not have had one since. Um, but that whole side of the mental health, it's probably accumulation of many different things, but, but the mental health side thing is definitely something that has been really, really amazing. And so uh, 2014, I got married. So... Uh, twenty mid twenty fourteen, I actually went to my naturopath and said, "I want to do a really long detox." I ended up doing a two month detox. Um, because I'd done a few since the first one, but the first one was definitely the hardest and the 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 mentally longest, not physically the longest, but the hardest. And yeah, at mid twenty fourteen, I went to my my naturopath and said, "Yep, I'm ready to have a child." put me on a two month long detox. Let's clean up my body completely so that my body's ready to have a baby. I knew when I was at my sickest that I did not want to put a baby in my body because, uh, it was just going to end badly for everyone. So, um, yeah, I went on the, the, the two month detox and then a couple of months later fell pregnant with our daughter. And, um, I'm not going to say it was an amazing pregnancy, (laughs) Uh, cause I really, I'm the sort of person I really dislike being pregnant. It's just something I, it's probably part of me that likes to be in control. Um, but I also, you know, just the physical sensation of being pregnant. I'm, I, I don't enjoy, but anyway, I got pregnant with our daughter. I actually reintroduced gluten when I was pregnant and found that to be fine. Um, but I've ever since been off uh, dairy and eggs for sure. Um, I had a, a good pregnancy, great labor, great birth, uh, good po- postpartum period, good, good recovery, that kind of thing. And then the next challenge came along. <laughs> um, so a couple of months after I had our daughter, I started having really intense stomach pains and I went to my doctor I went to my naturopath I did uh had to wait until I stopped breastfeeding to do a detox none of those things made a dent and it was really bizarre because um these the stomach pains will come on at night and uh so I'm talking like midnight you go to sleep and then you wake up with like a pain in, like right in the st- center of your stomach and it was the way I've described it is it is like childbirth but without like any breaks so when you have a baby like the contractions last for you know 10 to 10 seconds to a minute whatever they are uh no, no this went for hours and hours and hours with no break at the, like the same sort of intensity of pain. Um, and it was horrible. Um, luckily, most of the times, uh, they happened when my daughter was sleeping. So there's only, I remember, 
I remember only one time having this stomach pain and having to breastfeed her in agony. Um, and so where we went with that, you know, I went to a GP, I went to a naturopath, we couldn't find anything. The GP sent me for an ultrasound. Um, uh, we found gallstones and they recommended that I remove my gallbladder and I just went, oh, hell no, because I'm really, and don't prescribe to the idea of removing organs, even if they're, um, organs that we don't particularly use that much I'm really not and I I don't like the idea of removing something just because um I'd rather heal the thing underneath it I don't want to put a band-aid on a broken leg I want to heal the broken bone so um I went to my naturopath we did a few things and it never really went away um it's it's slowed in its um in, in how often I would get it. So at its most intense, I would have it, you know, once a week, one night a week. Um, but then, you know, I might go a couple of months without having a, 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 a intense pain session and then it'll be back. Um, and it went away for a while, a long while. And I became pregnant with our second, our son. And I freaked out that I was going to have this pain while pregnant because my second pregnancy, I was quite a bit more unwell than my first pregnancy. And I was like petrified I was going to get this pain and having to deal with a toddler at the same time who wouldn't sleep because mummy's in pain. And it was just a nightmare. Anyway, I didn't get that pain during my pregnancy. And I'm now seven and a half months postpartum. And about three months ago, it came back. And it took me ages to work it out. But, and this is, this is what I love about health transformations is that they, it never stops. <laughs> it, it just never stops. And so it really literally has been in the last two to three weeks that I've really cemented in my mind that's actually this was never a digestive pain it was actually uh my spine and the reason I can say that is because um I believe the reason the pain went away in the in the between my first and my second baby was because I started having chiropractic care um, and I originally started the chiropractic care because I had started having t pins and needles in my foot and I went, Oh, well that sounds like my spine. So I'll go and get treated for that. Anyway, I was having regular care, um, through a chiropractor and so throughout the, you know, a year or so after my daughter was born to all the way through my second pregnancy, I was having very, very, very regular chiropractic care. And so I didn't get the pain. And at, as does happen at the end of pregnancy and postpartum, it kind of just got left behind. And I just went, oh, I can't, can't do this, especially postpartum. I went, oh, I can't take two kids to the chiropractor that's 45 minutes away. It was just, it was too much to take a three-year-old or nearly three-year-old and the newborn it was just it was a big transition going from one to two and it just me going to the chiropractor went by the wayside for a bit and 
I think I just realized that my upper back didn't feel great. Like just sitting and breastfeeding for long periods of time just wasn't doing me very well. And I'm prone to upper back pain for sitting on computers and that kind of thing. So sitting, breastfeeding in that sort of um, shoulders hunched forward position just was not doing it well for me. So I ended up um, going for chiropractic care for that. And then uh, for various different reasons, I stopped going again. And that stomach pain came back. And I put, eventually put two and two together and I went, oh. And I actually self-treated myself for a couple of weeks until I could get in to see the chiropractor. I actually um, lay on my posture pole and I used my foam roller on my back, which definitely, definitely did something. It helped. Um but it just wasn't quite doing the job. And when I finally got in to see the chiropractor, I was good for a couple of weeks and then it was bad again. I actually had to make an emergency appointment because I'd had three episodes in like two days. And I had the absolute light bulb moment. This is what it is. When I went to the chiropractor in so much pain and 10 minutes on the table and the pain was gone, like from 100 to zero in 10 minutes. And it was just the adjustment of my back. And it was really interesting when he was adjusting my back, like I started with the pain in my stomach and he'd touch this and do that. I actually normally see a, a female Cairo, but I, the emergency appointment was a, with was with her husband. And um, he'd push here and push there and I'd be like, oh, that's like a thousand percent worse. And then he'd do something else and it'd be gone. And then he'd sort of massage this and it'd come back. And I actually went for a follow-up appointment last week or the week before with my normal chiropractor. And she did some other adjustments on me and the pain came back for five to ten seconds as she adjusted me. So, you know, what I thought was digestive because that's what my stomach pain and issues has always been digestive, um, turned out not to be digestive at all, which is just absolutely crazy. So that's where I'm at. Like this is 2019. This is seven, seven years after the start of my health transformation. And I'm still having now epiphanies of, you know, oh, that's why I'm having this happen. That's why I'm having that happen. And that's what I love about hearing people's health transformations is it just does not end and I'm sure in the future I will come back and record this podcast again or maybe not this podcast but a continuation of this podcast of what's happened next Um, because this is not the end of my health transformation. Um, I really really because I love following a lot of the podcasts I've talked about in podcast number one standing on the shoulders of giants my podcast picks podcast um I've really taken an interest in genetic testing I've taken an interest in not just intermittent fasting but prolonged fasting for cellular health 
um, which is something I can't do until I finish breastfeeding. So I, I don't plan to give that up for a, about another year. So I've got another year before I can start doing that stuff. But I've really got an intense interest in those things. I've got a practitioner who I've been following on Instagram. Um, she's called the Functional Nutritionist and she is she sounds amazing. Like I just, I read her posts and I, and I can see that she's well up with all of the re- latest research. She knows her stuff. I've not yet engaged her, but um, she's on my list for that's where my health transformation is going next. I really want to go and t- uh, get the my whole genome seek- sequenced and start to look at the epigenetics of my food and my diet and my exercise and that kind of thing and really hone in on that. So that's where I'm going next. And for those of you who've seen a photo of me or know me personally, you will know that I've always been a heavy set person. Um, I've always carried extra weight. Um, and I guess this is where I start to go, oh, yeah, my health transformation started years and years and years and years ago because the only time I've been close to a what would be considered a normal or healthy weight is actually when I was uh, training profusely in martial arts when I was 16. Um, I was uh, eating breakfast and I was eating lunch and then I would not eat dinner. And for years and years and years, I thought to myself, well, the only time I can lose weight is when I'm like that. I, you know, I'm when I'm training nine to ten sessions a week, and I'm not talking about one-hour sessions, like some of them were three to four hours. Um, like I was training every single night and then a couple of days during the day. So that that I was training so intensely and then I basically wasn't eating much. And that's the only time that I've ever you know, lost weight and come to a point where I, you know, I feel like I'm at a, a, reg, a normal regular weight. And for years and years and years, I went, well, that's not healthy. I'm not going to go back and do that. But then since, you know, the last few years, I've really learned about um, the efficacy of intermittent fasting and pro- prolonged fasting to kind of reset the body and, and, um, I've had taken an interest in ketogenic diets, which before I got pregnant with our second baby, um, my naturopath actually said to me, you look amazing. What are you doing? And I said, uh, well, I've been, uh, on a ketogenic diet for a couple of months. And that was about the end of it. Cause I came to her to say, I'm pregnant. <laughs> um, but she goes, no, this, this, you look really good. And so that whole ketogenic thing seemed to really um, agree with my body. And that's where I start to want to go, okay, well, I'm not going to go and stab in the dark like I did years ago. I want to go and actually see a practitioner. I want to actually get the genetic testing done to see if that kind of lifestyle is actually going to be advantageous to me or whether it's actually not. Um, And I know that's quite an emerging field. But um, I'm at the point where I just really want to experiment with that stuff uh, because I really don't know what it's like to be of, quote-unquote, a normal weight. 
Um, I've always been overweight. I think I've been overweight since I was four or five years old, um, maybe seven or eight at the latest, but I've always carried weight and that's where my journey is going next. Um, that's once I finish breastfeeding and I'm able to do a detox and start taking supplements that might not be potentially, I don't know what they, what a practitioner might offer me, but um, potentially might not be safe for breastfeeding. So I just want to kind of get through the breastfeeding thing and then really get on that path. Um, I'm doing bits and pieces by myself now, um, but I'm really just waiting for that end of breastfeeding before I can really kickstart uh, that next phase where I can uh, do more testing, do more experimenting, work with um, that new practitioner. And I'm really excited because, you know, I feel like the only way is up. I feel like um, I've gotten to a point where, you know, I'm, I, I've had enough of a health transformation to know, ah, there's better. And I'm still at the point where I can go, there's better. And I don't, I think there's always better. Um, I think there's always um, somewhere to go with your health, um, something better to do. And I'm not saying to go out and spend a ton of money on this, that, and the other, and try this and try that and try that, but to, to just always be seeking for that something new, to always be looking to improve. Um, now, I'm just about finished on this podcast. It's quite a long po podcast, so thank you. If you're still listening, thank you for uh, staying with me through this. The last thing I want to address as an entrepreneur is the, the soul aspect of a health transformation because when I think back to when I was in my corporate job, I was doing a job that, you know, fitted my, my, my area of excellence in my life, I guess. I, you know, I know lots about chemistry. I know lots about testing, um, that kind of thing. And one of the things that I really vowed when I quit that job was I really just need to follow my passion. And that's why I went and became a teacher. And that's why I found my job, um, because I work at a uh, bioscience education centre, so I don't work as a teacher per se, but I work as a as a bioscience educator. Um, it's why I started my business, and my my word for twenty eighteen was aligned. And what I was really going with that in that intention was to find work and find things that I can do with my life that are aligned with my values and that are aligned with um, my passions. And hence the birth of this podcast has been a large part of that because I know it's an area that I'm passionate about. Um, there's amazing conversations that I want to have with so many people and I want this to be a way and a portal for me to do that but not just that like I also 
I don't just work my my job at the Bioscience Education Centre. I also do another job. So I'm actually a virtual assistant for someone else who runs a podcast, um, which is a new thing in my life. But um, it's a podcast that uh, I love so much and I love their mission and I love the work that they're doing that I don't have to drag my heels to go and do what they want me to do because I know that it's aligned with where I want to go. And I guess that's where I'm going with with this year. My word of 2019 is flow. I'm trying to find that that place where I don't have to get up on Monday morning and go to a job I hate. The idea is that I get up on Monday morning and go, oh, I'm going to do this today because I want to and I'm passionate and um, I get to spend time with my kids. So that was part of my my plan when I started my business was to be able to have a business that would work around having children. But now, like one of my highest values is family, but I also have this thing where I go, oh, but I, I okay, I'm going to get the kids to do this so I can carve out time to do something else that I'm passionate about. I, I, I'm not suited to being a mum full-time. Um, I've discovered that a couple of years ago. Um, but to combine being a mum with these other endeavours that I'm doing, including this podcast, is just so soul feeling um and part of that whole flow as my word of the year is is to actually fill my cup by doing things that I I'm so passionate about and that I love so much and that's my intention also for my health transformation because um if you've read any of Bruce Lipton's work or um, if you know a bit about John D. Martini, they talk about this idea that if you get up to do something that you love and that you want to do and you find time to do it and you don't have to drag your heels to do it, it's just so life-giving and it's obviously then going to flow into your health. It can't not. If you are feeling good and doing great things, your hormones are going are gonna to want to work for you. Your, your digestion is going to work op- optimally. And I think this is something that, you know, at the forefront of uh, health practitioners, I think the, the people who are right up with the research, I think they get it. But it's something that's really, 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 really understated by uh, mainstream medical practitioners. So that's also part of my the future of my health transformation is to continue to find work that not only pays my bills but actually fuels me and my soul and my mission and my purpose I think I'm going to leave it there so thank you very much for listening the purpose of this podcast uh, I guess part of it for me is a bit of a catharsis to get out what's been stored in me. But the main point of actually recording this podcast is hopefully it's helpful to someone. Hopefully, and 
I'm hoping that anyone who's listened to this has taken something out of this podcast. If you have, I'd love for you to contact me and tell me what you loved about this podcast. Uh, I always love to hear from people who've listened to the podcast. I've had a few feedback um, messages from people who've uh, listened to the first podcast. So thank you to those people. Um, And I guess to finish off... um, I guess it's just a bit of a reminder for you that if you really love this podcast, I'd love for you to go onto iTunes and give it a review. Um, Giving reviews on podcasts really helps us to get our word out. So if you really liked what what I've talked about, please give it a review on iTunes and give me some feedback. Um, And the ratings really help me to uh, appear in searches and things like that. Anyway... Thank you very much for listening. I don't have a plan for the next podcast, so it's going to be uh, wherever the universe takes me, and I'm really excited to share this journey with you. So thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been a production of The Hippie Scientist. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and Spotify. You can find all of the show notes at thehippiescientist.com, which are usually posted a few days after the podcast is released. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram, Instagram's my favourite, and join in the conversation. Simply search for The Hippie Scientist with an I-E, H-I-P-P-I-E. And now for the obligatory disclaimer. Whilst The Hippie Scientist has endeavoured to provide accurate and helpful information, this podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not a substitute for independent professional medical advice. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Hippie Scientist podcasts. Mm